Hi, happy release Friday. Welcome to another episode of the Changing the Narrative podcast, Rachel's Story. Rachel Brink and I actually met through social media. There was an instant connection and I really felt inspired by what she was saying and knew she would be a great guest on the podcast. And she agreed to come on the podcast all the way from Tel Aviv, Israel. The conversation we had, I think you'll find very profound and inspiring. It bridges the gap between a lot of cultural differences, difference of opinion, and it was really eye-opening to say the least. I do apologize in advance for some of the technical difficulties we had through recording through Zoom. It's kind of hard sometimes to bridge the gap of technical difficulties when you're recording in different time zones, but it's a great episode. I think you really enjoy it, and it's time to dive in. Um, Rachel, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. Um, we are, we have been trying to set this up for quite a while now. Uh, I didn't realize uh, a time difference could make things so challenging. I, you think I would know that because I'm a flight attendant, but it's quite a difference when someone's in Israel. (laughs) So true, true. Probably the first time you've been dealing with that. (laughs) Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm very, very happy to be here. Very grateful as well for the opportunity. Yeah. So Rachel and I actually connected through Instagram. I love that we live in a time and a place where we can actually find souls that we align with, even through different time zones and different spaces. Um, But we found our way to each other. Definitely like feel like it was universally led through Instagram. And I was really inspired when we started talking. I could just feel like the energy exchange. I could feel like we were kind of very aligned with like how we see things and view things. And I was really intrigued by her story as well. So I asked her to come on the podcast and she agreed. So here she is today. (laughs) I'm here. I'm here. And uh, definitely, I think it's. uh... As we spoke about, definitely something very universal that brought us together. Absolutely. So basically, I kind of start with an origin story when I have people on the podcast. And that's different for everybody. So if you want to pick a point in your life where you felt yourself transitioning or changing you know, places, wherever that is for you. Um, I'd love to just hear you kind of, cause I feel like you have such a cool story to tell. So just, just dive in wherever you'd like, and we can just go from there. Okay. Well, I'll start at a young age, uh, which was, uh, the age of 11, uh, which was the year that I uh, moved with my family to Israel from South Africa. I was born and raised in South Africa until the age of 11. And I think that was like one of the biggest points in my life that a lot shifted. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it was coming to a new country, meeting new people, learning a new language. Um, so yeah, that, that would be the spot. Yeah. So you were 11 and so you're making this change. I'm guessing that was probably pretty interesting. Like, how were you feeling like about that? I know you were young, but that's a huge change to make. So how was that like impacting you? Do you feel like? Well, it definitely had a very big impact in the sense that, first of all, my parents got divorced that year with that we came to Israel. My dad went back to live abroad. So already there was this big change in like the family dynamic um, and coming to a new country, you know, with no language and really no roots either. I, I don't have any family here apart from, you know, my immediate, my mom and my brother. So at the time, I think it was a very big shock. It kind of caused me to to grow up very quickly. I was yeah. always... Uh, 
I was always the uh, like the the adult, you know, like even right. though I was a kid, I was like this, you know, this adult. So I think it had a really big impact, um, and really? also culturally, it's very, very, very different cultures. And I kind of even to this day, even though I've lived in Israel for so many years, I'm I'm now um, been living here for 17 years. I still see myself as I don't know if I'm more South African, more Israeli. My <laughs> accent changed. You can hear it's not the typical South African accent. So yeah, yeah it's changed. It's like a perfect little balance, I feel like, between South African and Israeli. Um, so, so what was the connection to Israel? Was it your, you said your mom and your brother? I'm, I'm yeah, so, so first of all, so I'm Jewish. I grew up in a, okay. Jewish, uh, a Jewish home. My mom is Jewish. My father converted to be Jewish when he married my mom. So I grew up in a Jewish home, not very religious at all, but, you know, kind of Jewish uh, heritage and origins. And South Africa is and was, unfortunately, a country that has a lot of issues and you know, there wasn't a clear future there for us. And, gotcha. uh, you know, Israel had a lot to offer. And even though now it's not the easiest place to live, it's incredibly expensive here. Yeah. Um, at the time seemed, I think, for my mom and my dad, a really good example and a good place to be. So we, we found ourselves here. Wow. So that's so that was there was really no other reason other than the, the religious factors to why you moved to Israel. I think the religious, there's also kind of, you know, there's a pull for many people that are Jewish to kind of, you know, have a place where they feel at home. My mom always felt very at home here. Again, yeah. I mean, we're really not a religious home, but I think that's something in like the Jewish people is our community around that. And uh, yeah. there's a very South African community here. So it did make sense to come. Um, but I had, I know nothing about the country. I'd never been here before. So, so how would you compare the two cultures between, I know we've talked about the differences a little bit, but I'd love to hear you kind of dive in and like kind of parallel the two and like talk about how the different shifts between the two different cultures. So it's super interesting actually, because, uh, this is one of the reasons that I feel very connected to the world of, uh, you know, coaching. I'll, I'll get into mm -hmm. that a little later, but the, the reason that we are the way we are is very much, you know, due to our environment. That's a very big way that I see it. Of course, it's also genetics, it's family upbringing, but culture is a really big thing. And yeah. South Africa, the culture, especially in the culture that I grew up in, which was the Jewish community of South Africa, it's a very, I want to call it strict almost. There's a yeah. lot of rules. People have to do the right thing. And there's always, there's very much like a set of like, yeah, kind of social or moral rules you have to follow in order to be almost like accepted in many ways. And so I what, don't think it's a bad thing. What would you say like the social and moral rules are per se? Like, I'm curious to know what they are. It's, I kind of think it's like always do the right thing. There's yeah. very much a lot of emphasis on doing the right thing, you know, always like being a good host, a good hostess, always, you know, I don't know, make sure, making sure you're learning, making sure you have a good education. Yeah. Um, and it's, those aren't bad things at no. all, but it, it creates a set of rules around, you know, like the freedom of people and, and the freeness of, you know, kind of the people in that, in that group of society. Was, was there a sense that you couldn't fully just be yourself in that structure? Or did you feel like you could still? I, yeah, I was very young, so it's hard for me to say. Yeah. But there's definitely something, you know, like kids finish school, they immediately go and study what their parents feel is a good fit for them. Or, you know, I guess this is like this in many cultures around the, around yeah. the world. It's not unique to there. But if I if I compare that to Israel, Israel is a very loose culture. People. I love how you are, described it at the beginning. You just say it yeah. how you said it. What, with the looseness of it? No, you said it was a no bullshit <laughs> oh yeah it is a no bullshit I call it a no bullshit culture it's like yeah. example, if you go to a wedding you know like I don't know what it's like in the states if you go to a wedding you know you'll probably wear like a really nice dress high heels if you're a man you know or you know you're probably going to wear uh, like a suit or whatever yeah. and you can like rock up in jeans and flip-flops and no one's going to say anything it's really like, see that's 
Yeah. That actually is surprising to me because that's not what I would generally think. Um, <laughs> I would yeah, think no. he was more like the South, South Africa and like that to me seems like how Israel would be. But I love to hear you talk about it because clearly I've never been there. I have no idea. So it's really interesting to hear you talk about it. Well, I think that here, you know, in Israel, there's a lot of uh, focus on, you know, just be yourself, live your life, do what you got to do to make yourself happy, do what you got to do to pay the bills. And, you know, like, no bullshit. Whereas in many other countries, I think that there's this, you know, sense of like, you have to, you have to be a certain way, prove yourself a certain way. Right. You know, it's kind of interesting to think like, I know everything happens in our life the way that it's supposed to. But if you had stayed in South Africa, it's kind of interesting to think like what direction your life would have taken, because I think moving to a whole new culture where it's like you can kind of be who you want to be, show up as you'd like, you know, you you're, you're chartering this whole course for yourself. Isn't it funny, though, to think about how like cultures can completely affect like the road that we take in life? Well, what's so interesting, as you say that, actually, is that I really grappled for many years up until pretty much to this day, even in fact, I just left a therapy session talking about this, because (laughs) even to this day, you know, like that having to be a good girl, and having to be a people pleaser or having to do the right thing, still to this day, even though I've lived here for so long in a culture that is so welcoming and so warm and so kind of like, as I call it, the the no bullshit culture. Yeah. There's a, both of us relate to that even though I was raised in a cult and you were raised in, it's still like still ingrained in you, like that people pleasing part. Totally. The people pleasing thing, you know, I think it's, it really is a defense mechanism of, I want to feel safe. So if I can control other people's feelings, then I will always be safe. You know, no one right. can laugh out at me if I, if I never do anything wrong. Right. And, you know, it's, that's, that, I think that that's a huge thing that's ingrained in so many women specifically around the world. Yes you know, this need to just control other people's feelings. Like, what is that? Why? Why I know. I know. And you, I mean, you've lived in very, I mean, you spent six months in India. You spent, you know, most of your life in Israel. You grew up in South Africa. So you've seen that this affects so many women. And it's not, and that's one of the things too. It's not just one specific area. You can't just say it's the church. You can't just say it's the cult. You can't just say it's this. It's, it's a problem that I see so much, like the disempowerment of women culturally across mm-hmm. the world, you yeah, know? Completely, completely. So yeah, it's one of the reasons that uh, I want to go into the world of therapy and coaching because yeah. I know there are so many people that live in these patterns of not being their authentic self because they're they're just trying to keep themselves safe by by people pleasing other people. You Absolutely. Know? I know. And you're not, you're not living out your truth when exactly. you're people pleasing. And Um, that's why I think what you're going to do is so powerful because we need that. We need people to feel empowered to make choices that suit them, no matter what cost. I mean, I knew when I left the cult that I was probably going to lose my family. Um, but my freedom was, it was worth it. I mean, I gave up, I don't know. I don't know if I went into a lot of this, but there was a lot of money involved, um, in the arranged marriages. And Mm -hmm. I knew by, you know, walking out of that, I was not going to have financial support. I wasn't going to have this structure set up for me, but it was worth it because I just knew I needed to get out of the control. Um, So I know. So if you use that narrative, you know, like for you too, like it's like empowerment is so important because fear holds us back so much in life. I feel like the fear of letting people down, the fear of not being liked, but when you can let go of that, there's such freedom in it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I really agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, working towards that more. I still had to, you know, um, I still grapple with that. I, 
I'm still kind of not fully able to feel that I'm kind of, you know, uh, fully myself, that authenticness yeah. is still, I'm still working on that. It right. shows how culture really from a young age has such an imprint. Sure. Like, I feel like you need, you've listened to my podcast too. Like the structure that I was raised in was so controlling. Like that's taken a decade of therapy for me to move through. Um, huge, huge advocate of therapy. <laughs> Mental health is so important, but yeah, when that's like your foundational years, I feel like a lot of like what we become is like, it's, I feel like it's like from one to nine, like that's so ingrained in us. I mean, obviously we're growing and shifting and you can create new narrow pathways and all that good stuff. But yeah, it is, it is even from a young age, so much of that gets imprinted on us and it's, it can be challenging to move forward. So I know that you had mentioned also that you traveled through India and I feel like that would be really interesting to talk about as well, because that's a completely different culture. And how old were you when you did that? Sorry, I missed the, the the question. I think my internet cut off. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. It's kind of maybe. I don't know if it's my connection or your connection, but I was asking. I know you had mentioned that you had traveled through India. Yes. Yeah, yes, and yes. I'm I'm really curious, like, if that connects. I mean, were you younger? Were you older? Like, what was that experience like? Because that's a completely different culture from South Africa and Israel. So curious to hear about that. Very much so. So India has uh, it's got a huge place in my heart. In fact, I'm wearing a necklace now that actually it's in Hindi and it says uh, it says home in Hindi. I love that. Uh, um, I think because, you know, India was the place where I figured out that I am my home in many ways. Uh, I was, uh, wow, how old was I? I was 22 when I when I okay. traveled there for the first time. Were you by yourself? Uh, I went on my own, which was pretty brave. A lot of girls. Yeah, that's do. very brave. Um, I was there from the age of, well, I was there for about six months in total. I had uh, finished my military service in Israel. I was in the, in the military here for two years. Oh, uh, I didn't know that either. Wow. You're just a woman of many trades. I think I chose, that's a mandatory thing here, but I, I, the military had a big impact on, uh, on what I do today. Wow. Uh, So I finished my service, wanted to kind of go and like, you know, explore who I am on my own for a bit. And I found myself in India discovering the wonders of uh, Tibetan Buddhism. I did a 10 day Mm -hmm. silent retreat in an incredible place called Tushita, which is in the same town where the Dalai Lama resides. Wow. And that was it was like 10 days of intense life therapy on steroids. It was another level. (laughs) Do you like I talk a lot in the the podcast about spiritual awakenings, and I feel like you probably had like a huge like revelation or a connection to connection to a higher consciousness there. I'm sure that was a huge, uh, I'd love to talk about that as well. For sure. I think it wasn't even, I can't say it was a higher consciousness as it was a consciousness in myself that I didn't mm. yet know existed, which could be a higher consciousness. Absolutely. It's all it. connected. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I really believe that as well. And you know, it was, uh, it was there 10 days in silence. Um, you know, you kind of, you, we had these, like, uh, these teachings during the day, and, you know, you could listen, and you were allowed to ask, like, one question here, and one question there, but there was no other talking, and in that silence, there was something in myself that I'd never, you know, met wow. before. That's, I know, I, all I can compare it to is Eat, Pray, Love, and I don't want to, <laughs> like, that movie, but, like, when they're in silence, you know? Yes, um, yes. That, and it's very true to life. It is true to life. Yeah, I like for me like that. I don't know if I could do it. I feel like I talk too much. I might have a hard time with that. Well, you can start off small. They have retreats that are three days, four days. Sometimes they're they're a little bit more chillaxed, a little bit, you know. But it's I recommend it. Did you? I mean, I'm guessing you did a ton of meditation as well. Yes, yes, that was the focus. It was basically an introduction to Tibetan Buddhism and meditation. So 
that was uh, what it was made up of. And for me, the connection was the connection to Western psychology and the way that that fits mm. in with Tibetan Buddhism. And that's very much brought me to my field today of what I love, which is kind of like looking at the holistic consciousness of all that, you know, makes us up, the spiritual aspect, the connection aspect, the yeah. brain neurology aspect. Gosh, so, we could yeah. talk about this for hours. Um, <laughs> I hate the limitations of Zoom. Um, so you, I'm curious, like you, so you grew up in a, were your family like strictly Jewish? Like, I know you said it was like, so how was that? Like, cause you have like, I know, you know, being Jewish, like it's a very powerful religion and everyone's very invested. So you're going and learning about Buddhism and all of that. So how, like, where you don't like, how did you connect the two? Did you feel they're connected? Do you feel like it kind of changed the way you view religion or just curious about that as well? So, I mean, look, I, I really uh, saw myself for many years as very secular. I wasn't a practicing, practicing Jew, we call them. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it was interesting also, you know, what's the most interesting thing is that the majority of tourists in India are actually from Israel. And at this meditation center we went to, there were 120 students and they had notebooks for us, like little kind of like uh, like uh, textbooks almost of information. Yeah. Half of the textbooks were in English and the other half were in Hebrew because they're so used to Israelis that are wow. Jewish coming and learning about Buddhism. That's so, so interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it, there's a lot of connection. Like I, I had a lot of questions, you know, even about God or about soul. We talk a lot in, in, in Hebrew or a lot in Judaism about like the soul and the journey of the soul throughout life. And I, it, it definitely brought up questions. It didn't, though, you know, as I said, I mean, I'm Jewish. I personally don't believe uh, I don't believe in a God. Uh, I'm far more a believer of there is a universe and there's an energy and something things happen in it. But yeah. I've yet to find, you know, exactly what I do believe in, if anything. Yeah. So the Jewishness was more like, it's more, I'm very proud of it being my culture. Um, yeah. And I'm uh, very proud. I come from a Jewish family, very proud of, I had, uh, you know, family that many years ago was uh, killed in the Holocaust in Eastern Europe, you know, oh, wow. so I'm very, very proud of that element of my life, but definitely not as a religious thing. So it didn't come up so much in the Buddhism aspect, I but you. it got yeah. a lot of questions about how the world works you know yeah interesting so I want to jump into more of like what, where you're moving now but I cur I'm curious as to what you believe about the afterlife after going through that experience and like yeah I'm just curious to what you think happens when we pass it's into another set of <laughs> you know it's actually really it's funny you asked me this because just this week I was listening to a book called the journey of souls yeah uh, I don't know if heard of it yeah so I was curious about it I I tend to believe that nothing happens but on the other hand, uh, two years ago, my grandfather passed, passed away and I was very close to him and I miss him very much. Yeah. And before he passed away, he said to my mom, this is my mom's father, uh, he said to her, you know, when I reach the other side, I'll, I'll give you a sign kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, we've just been seeing all these signs of, yep. you know. Uh, usually birds, it's usually birds that, you know, feathers or when he passed away, like a little frog came into the house like that same day. Wow. And there were never frogs, you know, where we were. <laughs> okay. So did he yeah, like, like was, uh, frogs was or something? That was the main thing. So um, I don't know. I don't think he did. He loved birds. He really loved birds. <laughs> but I kind of, you know, I've always had this feeling that he's like there. I can yeah. feel his energy often, you know. So yeah. I don't know if there's an act. Maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Have you ever read uh, Many Lives, Many Masters? By Brian Weiss. No, no, no. That's a really good book too. We could go down the rabbit hole with that one, but 
basically it's just this, this psychologist who was doing uh, therapy with this one patient and they did hypnotherapy and cause he thought if he could do hypnotherapy a session with her, he could like target all of her cause she had all these fears and anxieties. Well, as he was doing the hypnotherapy session, she starts to tap into other lives that she had lived. And they, he started recording this. It's a very interesting book if you have any interest in that. Uh, but we'll move on. So you're 22, okay. you're traveling through India, you're learning all this cool stuff. And I know now that you are, um, you teach Hebrew and English at a school, correct? Yeah. And now yeah. you're transitioning yeah. into being a coach and getting a master's degree. So let's talk about that. I'm excited to talk about that with you. Absolutely. I would love to. So, yeah, so I currently am teaching. I, I So I mentioned earlier that I did military service in Israel. I was a teacher for Hebrew for children. Uh, Israel wow. is a country of many immigrants, and the military here actually has an educational unit to help people um, move and learn the language and, you know, kind of get accustomed to culture and life here. So I was in that unit, and it was basically one of the biggest door openers for me because I learned that I love to teach and you know, when you teach, or at least how I see it, is that when you teach, you're allowing a safe space for a person to go through a process of trying and failing and trying and learning and trying and growing. And yeah. when you're able to offer that safe space, that's where the magic happens, you know? Right. So I kind of was always teaching on and off throughout the years. Uh, I did a, a BA, uh, Bachelor of the Arts degree in sociology, anthropology, and um, uh, labor studies. It wasn't really what I wanted. I wanted psychology, but I didn't get in. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll go do something else. So teaching has always been in the background. But about a year ago, I, I said to myself, I, I know that I want to do more. I know that yeah. this, the world of therapy is something that has always called me when I was in India I wrote it I wrote about it a lot I learned about it a lot I knew that it was something that I wanted to do and I went to a coach I went to a uh, a uh, career coach actually and through my work with her I realized that I wanted to work I wanted to move to the world of therapy but I knew it was going to take a while so what was it going to do until then I'll go learn to be a coach and that's something I could also do so yeah well, I, uh, I think one of the, I always ask people before they come on, like for three adjectives to describe themselves. And you said driven, reliable, and positive. And honestly, like as you, I mean, you only shared a few things with me, but as we've been talking, I feel like that's completely been your life. Like you've been moving from one thing to the next, always very focused. I can sense you're very high achieving as well. And yes, that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I hear you. I struggle with it too. I'm a total high achiever. Uh, plagues me every day. Um, but how do you balance that? Like, you know, obviously you're driven, you're career focused and everything, but like, like do you have practices in your life that you kind of incorporate in to keep yourself grounded? So yeah, it's, it's interesting because uh, I keep on saying it's interesting because it really is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to my therapist today and, uh, you know, I was talking to her about the fact that right now I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up my position at this teaching school because I'm starting my master's degree. And even though I'm there, I'm finding it very hard to let go of all of my obligations and my feelings of, you know, this like overdeveloped sense of responsibility towards the place. And uh, I, I go to her and I'm immediately I feel grounded. It's like for me, therapy and talking about it is one of the biggest things. Um, I do yoga and Pilates. I love Pilates. It's my new favorite thing. Um, <laughs> and I go with my dog to the beach. I have a dog that I love very much. And uh, we go to the beach every couple of days. And that's just where I kind of cool off. But I feel that I would like to incorporate more balance in my life. And I'm yeah, on that. for yeah. sure. Um, I remember you had said you kind of had to step into an adult role as a kid mm -hmm. and kind of take care of things in the home. Do you think that that 
like if you're comfortable talking about that, like maybe that influence too. Like, cause I feel like when you become a high achiever, there's usually a reason behind it. And lots of times it's when you have to have a lot of responsibility as a kid. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, uh, you know, my, my family will definitely agree with me, you know, if I, uh, if I were to ask them, they would say, oh yeah, those are the reasons. But I mean, uh, as I said, you know, I, growing up in South Africa, there was already this like sense of having to be like kind of an achiever because everyone around me uh, was often very much trying to prove themselves. Um, and uh, my younger brother and I, who are, we're very, very close today. As a kid, he suffered from, well, maybe not the word suffered, but he had, you know, stuff going on, difficulties with learning, um, difficulties with the motorics. He had pretty bad asthma. And I think that I was, I was very protective of him and I always wanted to like be, you know, like a good big sister. And so I think that like the combination of all of that and then coming to a new country, my parents getting divorced, I learned the language very quickly my mom didn't pick it up as much or as quickly and neither did my brother I ended up feeling like the adult role of you know right. calling the insurance company calling the phone company organizing wow. I was I remember being 11 and trying to talk to the phone company about the internet not working and you know <laughs> it's stuff that kids don't usually have to do so right. dramatic but it was I think enough to very much fill me up with a sense of like very strong responsibility of having to always fix things you know yeah absolutely and how old were you when you went into the military? I was 19. Okay. So you yeah. said that that kind of dictated a lot of the decisions you've made for the future. So what was your time like that in the military like? So I had a very unique military service. Most people in Israel, you know, they really have a, a real military service. They're on the, you know, the Israeli borders or, you know, really protecting and with a gun and all of that stuff. I was in the education unit. It was a very soft <laughs> unit. We were all women. Um, I loved my, my military service. I spent a year living with uh, four girls in an apartment in a, a pretty low socioeconomic um, sort of uh, based city, helping kids learn Hebrew in uh, middle school. Um, and the second year, I was a commander of soldiers doing what I had just done. So I was commanding them, giving them advice, coaching them essentially into yeah. being teachers that can help kids. And that was where the coaching started for me. Okay, that makes that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, coaching is interesting because, you know, it's you're kind of leading people. I mean, you're encouraging them and helping direct them. But like, what do you like when you're doing the thing that you're passionate about? What do you feel inside? Like you must feel like for me, like when I'm podcasting or I'm creating content and I'm like talking, like I feel like we go through things in our life to help others. Like that's that is my belief. So when you're in this process of coaching, like what is it? like pull out of you like what do you feel within yourself when you're doing the thing that you feel like you should do so I feel that time stops in the most mm. positive way first of all um you know time just stops it feels like everything falls into place and I feel a very deep sense of um being here being present yeah um you know just just yesterday, I uh, actually, I had my first uh, coaching session with a client and uh, I was, you know, a little bit nervous and kind of curious to see how that was going to go. And I'd had a really bad week up until this week, up until yesterday. It was just a really um, uh, busy week with a lot going on. And the second I sat down with her, uh, with my client, it was just everything fell into place. I felt the yeah. sense of peace kind yep. of come over me. Yeah, that's so, awesome. And so how has the, like, I know you've been in classes to become a coach and I've seen, I'm kind of, kind of watching your journey a little bit through social media. What has that been like? Like, what is the the process been like to go through that training and getting equipped to do that? 
Well, you know, it's been incredible and a really amazing eye-opening journey. It's been very, uh, yeah, interesting for me to watch. I was the youngest in my group, so I didn't mention, but I'm 28, so I'm yep. still, uh, you know, I'm pretty young. And in my group of, uh, my group of people learning with me, most were in their like sort of late 30s, 40s, even 50s, 60s. So I wow. was the youngest there, and. Even though I was the youngest person there, I felt without a doubt that I, this is where I was meant to be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I kind of, at first I grappled with a bit of imposter syndrome, you know, like, oh my God, they probably think I'm this young kid and what am I doing here? <laughs> but no, actually, no, it ended up being uh, one of the most empowering uh, courses of my life I've ever done. I have wow. huge respect for my mentor there. Um, and uh, I'm still continuing. I'm currently starting a, another course in a relationship coaching. So. Wow. You say it's empowering. So like, how is like in what, like, if you can like articulate that for me a little bit more. So I believe that it's empowering because when you are um, learning the world of self-development, in my opinion, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that you are not only, uh, you're not only in charge of your life or have control of your life, but it's, your, it's your responsibility to control your reactions in life. Mm. And I think that one of the things for me in coaching was that I really learned that I have a choice in the way that I react to things. You know, things happen in life, things, you know, get messed up. We make mistakes. People have car accidents. You know, there are all these bad things that can happen. And maybe we can't change the situations, but what we can change is the way we choose to react. Absolutely. And that for me is the empowerment that you yeah. have, a choice. you know, you have yeah. that choice of, of seeing your outcome and choosing what you're going to be doing. Yeah, no one has to say that for you. Absolutely. I know. It's funny that you bring that up because I was listening to a podcast this week. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is called Create the Love. And he had a guest on, um, Mark Rose had a guest on. Her name was uh, Miriam Hasna. And she's this amazing spiritual guru, like very, I mean, right up my alley. <laughs> I love talking about these things. But she was basically saying like, yeah, I got a flat tire this morning and I was going into work. And you know, I rolled right into my shop. I got it fixed. She's basically saying so many people take that one moment in time and they just, oh, the universe is out to get me. You know, woe is me, like victim mentality. Like, no, she got a flat tire, but guess what? Everything worked out. That's life. Like you can't, and if you let that chain of events, because like, I believe in a law of attraction, 1 million percent. Um, and I think that we, we create our reality day to day. And if you have negative feelings and you think, oh, like, what was me? Like, this is, you know, un like this is the world's out to get me that will just keep progressing in your life. And it's going to and it's we do choose our attitude. We do mm -hmm. completely. And a lot of people, you know, when they hear my story, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, even now I have friends reaching out. They're like, I had no idea what you've gone through in your life. I'm like, it's not a victim story. It's a success story. Like I went through what I did to learn what I have. And now I want to help others with it. And that's really what we need. And that's why I was so excited to connect with you, because you're part of that, you know, you're part of that movement of empowerment. You know, we're not mm -hmm. supposed to just shrink down. Like you could have taken, well, I had to step up and be this adult when I was young and I had to, but no, like you, you embrace that part of yourself and now you're using it to propel yourself forward. And I think that that's, that's what it's all about, you know, honestly. So <laughs> um, like moving forward, like I know you said that you're married and you have like this really great life. Like what does like the future look like for you as, in terms of like career? I know that you said you're going for your master's soon. Um, that's a lot to do. So like what what's your like five year plan, so to speak? 
So the five-year plan essentially would be five years from now, I have my own clinic uh, okay. as, a, as a clinical thera clinical uh, social worker, hopefully at that point also uh, either um, dealing with, uh, you know, like treating with psychotherapy techniques or psychodynamic techniques, CBT, DBT, that's a whole other world that I'm very mm. interested in. Um, but to get to that spot, it's going to take some time and a lot of effort. The degree that I have signed up for, because I didn't study social work as a, as a first degree, I yeah. have to do an additional year. So it's going to be three years of three days a week studying 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. Wow. Intense. But I am, I know, I know that I want to do this. It's a very, very strong. And feeling. you will do it. You absolutely yeah. will. I and will. that's kind of, that's what I, I love to like. I feel like we connected for a reason because both of us are kind of in the grassroots phase of what we eventually want to see, you know, budding. It's like that, like the beginning stages of it. But that's, I feel like that's the exciting part because then down the road you can look and say, wow, like that's where I was at that point. Look where I am now. And nothing in life that we, you know, gain or like anything that happens, it, it takes work. Anytime you want to make something happen, it, it does take work. But I, getting to know you through, the, the ways that I have and talking to you, like you're going to do that. And that's going to be super powerful in your life. It's really exciting. So I'm coming to a close. I'm going to start wrapping things up here, but I always end with two questions. Um, what is your favorite quote? Ah, my favorite quote. So, okay. Basically <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi has a very mm. well-known quote, a quote. I'm sure you, I'm sure you know it. I mm -hmm. want, want to get it right. Cause I always get the, get the phrases <laughs> wrong. But basically, uh, the quote talks about thoughts, you know, like your thoughts, your thoughts and what they become. Yeah. So let me just, uh, but basically, um, well, there's two, you know, I'm going to go with the one that I like the most. So that would be uh, that strength does not come from physical capacity. It comes from uh, the strongest will. So the strongest yeah. will from Gandhi. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can be strong in many ways. You can run marathons. You can, you know, pick out, you can lift weights. But strength is, uh, I think, the willpower to be able to move forward from different and difficult situations. It starts with our mind, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that quote's really powerful. All right. And then my second question is, if you could go back and change, back in time and change one thing, what would that one thing be? If I could go back in time and change one thing, what would I change? Yeah. What would that one thing be? Oh, wow. Whew. That is a question. It uh, is. I kind of want to say my first degree. I know mm. that maybe for many people they'll say, oh, you know, a degree doesn't have that much importance, but I, it took me so long to realize that my passion really always was the world of therapy and, you know, psychology is so interesting to me. If I could have gone back in time, I would have spent more time doing what I needed to get into the degree of psychology. On the other hand, it's, you know, revolving doors, you know, like where I am today is very much thanks to all the things that have happened. So Absolutely. everything happens for a reason, you know? Well, honestly, Rachel, it's been so great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for sharing your story with me. It's been so fascinating to learn about your world. And I'm glad that we were able to make the time zone work. <laughs> sure. I had to get up a little early this morning, but it's okay. I had a lot of coffee. So. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you having me. And, uh, you know, we, I'm sure that regardless, we'll continue speaking loads. I think we have so much to catch up on and, and talk about. Absolutely. Uh, and I'd love to reconnect to you when you're, you're going through your classes and everything and what that looks like for you. But thanks for coming on the Change the Narrative podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs>
Thanks again for joining me for another episode of the Change in the Narrative podcast. I hope it was as inspiring and as interesting for you as it was for me to have the conversation. As always, if you do like what you're listening to, if you wouldn't mind giving me a five-star rating on whatever app you listen, and if you wouldn't mind hitting that subscribe or follow button, it really does help me to meet and reach more people with the podcast and the work that I'm doing. If you do like what you're listening to and you want to reach out and you might even want to be on the podcast, you can find me on Instagram at changing the narrative underscore podcast. And you can also find me on TikTok at changing the narrative underscore one, one, one. Thank you so much for joining us. Go out and have a great weekend.